0: This morning, we're going to continue uh, in our series in Psalm 23, so if you would turn there. I'm sure you all have it bookmarked. Psalm 23. I think I got ahead of myself a little bit last week. I I talked about us uh, talking about and, and bring uh, Psalm 23 verse 4 uh, the even though I walk through the shadow or the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil for you are with me uh, I got ahead of myself there's one verse in between those two uh, so we're gonna be, uh, in verse 3 today uh, so Psalm 23 verse 3 I love this uh uh, even though I overlooked it, I do love this this verse because uh, this is kind of the the climactic moment, the point of the first four verses of Psalm 23, and so we're going to be covering that this morning. So, if you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 23, verse three, the Word of the Lord says this: He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that you're so good to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that your hand would just be with us today. Lord, that you'd be with me. Father, it would not be my word spoken, but yours spoken through me. Let those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as we continue in our study in Psalm 23, we we come to this verse and this verse, the beginning of this verse is the continuation of the last verse. Uh, we talked last week, we talked about how he makes us lay down in green pastures and, and the, the Lord, our shepherd, leads us by quiet waters or still streams. And, and here we have the continuation of that and kind of the, the end cap to that verse, and it's, he refreshes my soul. Beginning of the passage, again, we we see that this is the continuation and the completion of verse 2. The tenderness of the good shepherd that makes us lie down and leads us next to the streams also refreshes and restores our soul. This is an interesting kind of choice to to kind of transition here, is, is that The writer of Psalm 23, David, he's transitioning from kind of this tender shepherd to a more serious business-like shepherd. But he begins that transition with that phrase, he refreshes my soul. The idea of soul is an all-encompassing term. This isn't just something that is spiritual only, it's spiritual and physical. In fact, even the word refresh can have two different connotations here. We see refresh being used throughout and refreshing being something, a word that's used throughout Scripture to both talk about not just the spiritual but also the physical. In Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. This is talking about the, the refreshing of our spirit, of, our, of the spiritual side of our lives, of the supernatural. Most spiritual refreshment is something that we do see throughout Scripture, and it's actually linked to, to one main thing. In order to see and have spiritual refreshment, the majority of the time in Scripture, it goes hand in hand with God's people repenting. You see this in Hosea chapter 1, the very beginning of the book of Hosea. The Lord is saying, or Hosea is saying, the law of the Lord is perfect, or sorry, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. The very opening of Hosea is return to the Lord. Repent, that's what repentance means, a, a turning away from your sin. You continue on reading in Hosea 1, verse 7. This is the restoration, the refreshing of the souls after they've repented. It says, people will dwell again in His shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Here we have, again, this promise of refreshing, but it comes through repentance. In Joel chapter 2, we see again the the declaration of the Lord to repent and then what happens afterwards. Joel 2 verses 12 through 13, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart in fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. What he's saying here is, is repent and you'll be refreshed. Repent and you'll be restored. I think one of the most incredible things that we've seen in the past month is, is the Lord, the Spirit of God being poured out upon Asbury University. There's something incredible that's happening, and if you, you don't know what's happened, it's it is a move of God that there's, a, there's this renewed hunger, there's this something that's happening, whether you want to call it a revival or an outpouring or renewal or whatever you want to call it, the Lord is moving. And the earmark, the, the one main thing about this whole thing, the one main reason why this, the Lord is outpouring and refreshing souls is because students were repenting. The point of, of, of the Lord pouring out and refreshing spirits and refreshing souls and, and even the, the accounts of those individuals that were on the outside that decided to make the trip to go. And they would sit and they would, they would be in the presence of the Lord and they would say, the presence of the Lord is just so sweet. You could just feel the love of the Lord. You can just feel the peace of the Lord in that place. It's just so refreshing. And the reason why there is that refreshing is because students first and foremost decided that they were going to repent and turn to the Lord fully. And so we see the restoration, the refreshing of our soul as a spiritual side of things is connected to repentance. I would just simply say this before we go on. That if you are looking for a refreshment for your soul, if you have come into this place and, and you feel like you need, uh, your, your soul is tired, not your body, your, your soul, like in your spirit, you, you know that you got enough sleep, you know that your mind's good, but for some reason it just feels like there's something that's just weighing you down, you're just exhausted Spiritually. And if you want that refreshment that the Lord provides, repent. Whatever it is, I don't know what is in your life that you need to repent of. Maybe you don't even know what you need to repent of. Holy Spirit will point that out to you. We'll share that with you. It is my heart again that all of us would be refreshed in our souls and in our hearts in our spiritual selves and our physical selves, that we would see the restoration of the Lord. And so if that's you, again, before we move on, I would just simply say, turn to the Lord. Seek the Lord, seek his face, repent, and find refreshment. Second thing we see is, again, it's not just this refreshment, it's not just a spiritual refreshment, but it's also something that happens in the physical. That the soul is not only linked to something spiritual, but also physical. In fact, physical also can be tied to something in the spirit. I'm not saying every single sickness, I'm not saying every single hardship that you've ever faced is because there's a demon after you. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there's something that's, that's linked in the spiritual for you. That, that is just something that is, uh, the reason why you're having a bad life right now is because there's something wrong in the spiritual. I'm not saying that for every single time. But what I am saying is there are things in our lives where the physical representation of what's going on sometimes is a reflection of something spiritual that's happening. That sometimes there is no natural explanation for things, and that and, and so when there's no natural explanation for things, most of the time the, the explanation is in the supernatural. And so there are hardships that we see in the physical that can be tied to something spiritual. But this word refreshing refreshes my soul again, not just something spiritual, but also something physical. Isaiah 58:12. It says, Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Again, this is that physical thing, repairer of walls, re- restorer of streets. This isn't just something that's happening in the spiritual, it's also something that happens in the physical. Lamentations 1.16 says, this is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Here we have, again, this lamentation. Lamentations is really an upper uh, whenever you read it. When you read Lamentations, you see that this is something, the, the brokenness of the author of Lamentations you see the brokenness here that there's no one to restore his spirit, refresh his spirit. This is, that spirit is, is something that's physical. The, the, around him, he's just broken. And, and, and yes, that can also be tied to something spiritual, but this is a refreshment, a res- restoration in the physical. And so we see again the, a nice little... End cap to verse 2 where it's, He refreshes my soul. That the Lord is refreshing us. It's not just that physical refreshment that we need, but also the spiritual. But it's not just the spiritual, it's also the physical. That's really important that we understand that. That God doesn't just want to restore and refresh your heart and your spirit. He also wants to restore and refresh your body as well. He wants to move, he wants to heal your heart, he wants to heal your body. The Lord who is our shepherd restores and refreshes all of us. This passage then transitions to really the ultimate reason for the good shepherd to care for his flock. So the question that we ask sometimes whenever, whenever we look at this is, why is God doing this? Why is God doing this these things? Why does God take care of his flock? Why does God lead us into make us lay down in green pastures to, to be restored? Why does God lead us next to quiet waters to be refreshed? Why does he refresh and restore our souls? Why is he doing this? And this is the verse that tells us why. It's for his name's sake. The ones who are led are, are a direct reflection of the leader. How good God cares for the flock is because of his name. Healthy sheep means a good God, means a good shepherd, right? That's the way it is. And so if you take care of the flock, then you'll be known as a good shepherd. But if you don't take care of the flock, and sheep are running around crazy... And they're falling into pits, and they're getting eaten by lions and all these things, and you can't keep track of any of them. They're probably not the best shepherd. You probably need some more experience or something. I don't know. Go to shepherding school. I'll tell you a story. When, when my dad would leave for business trips, so my, my dad, when I was younger, probably about five or six years old, My dad would, uh, he transitioned to a job where it was a a traveling job, and he would sell uh, software to to hospitals around the the world, really. And so he would would travel, and he'd be gone Monday through Friday, and he'd be back on the weekends. And and every single time that he left, he would always say, he'd tell me, Galen, you're the man of the house while I'm gone. You hold my name. You carry the name Bell. Remember that. And so every single time, and every single time that he would call, he would call almost every single night, and we would talk on the phone, and and he would end our conversation with, Galen, just remember, you carry my name. You're the man of the house right now while I'm gone. You stand in the gap for me. See, the, the thing was, was that I was a direct reflection of my father. That even though he was not there, I was a direct reflection of him. In the same way, we reflect who God is. That our lives as we pursue the Lord, as he, we, are, we are with God, as we have relationship with Him, our relationship with God is reflected, the, the character of God is reflected by who we are as sheep. We bear His name. How God cares for His people is a direct reflection on Him. If we're blessed, God is exalted. If we're protected, God is exalted. If we're healed, God is exalted. If we die, God is not exalted, right? If we're cursed, God is not exalted. Because we're supposed to be his people, right? Now I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't allow certain things to happen. He does all those things for his good name to call us back to him. But most of that is because we just make dumb decisions and we decide to say, you know what, God, I think my way is better than yours. And he's like, okay, here's what your way gets you, just so you know, and come back to me. First Chronicles 6 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. God's character of goodness and love is shown through how he cares for his sheep. The goodness and love and compassion, the mercy and grace, the power that God shows is shown through how he cares for us. If he wasn't a good shepherd, then he wouldn't be a good God. And so the question that I have for us this morning is, what name are you giving God? When people on the outside look into your life, what would they say about God? I quote this verse all the time, but John 13, 35, right? By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus speaking, a new covenant, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the way that the world is going to know who I am because of how you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. People on the outside looking in, would they they be on the outside of Emmanuel looking in at Emmanuel and would they see brothers and sisters loving each other or would they see disunity? Would they see comparison? Would they see a critical spirit? If we're a direct reflection of the good shepherd, shouldn't our lives reflect how good he is? Shouldn't our lives reflect in the love that we have for one another? When people look at your life, do they see a God who is an authoritarian God? Who leads through fear? Or a God who leads by example in Jesus? thing is, is it's not about rule keeping and what you can do to, in order to get out of hell. It's about a relationship with Christ. It's not about us. Then Yes, I understand fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I get that. I understand that. I'm not refuting that at all. That word fear is this holy awe, this understanding of who God is. It's not that we're constantly afraid in our motives. Really, in reality, if our motives are, I just have to do all these things in order to get into God's good graces, in order for us to get to heaven, in order for me not to go to hell. All of those things are selfish at the root of them because it's all about you. So when people look at you, do they see an authoritarian God that's saying, these are the rules you must keep, and ruling with an iron fist, or do they see a God that that loves you, that walks with you, that even though you mess up, you can run back to him, that even though you leave with his inheritance like the prodigal son, you can come back to him. Or maybe when people see you, do they see a God who lets you do whatever you want? Or do they see God that holds a standard for your life to be better. See, Jesus doesn't offer an easier life, Jesus offers a better life. There's a difference. I'm not saying that life is going to be unicorns and rainbows as soon as you start your relationship with Him. What I am saying is it's a better life. And and the standard that he he sets for us is the way his, his word shows us what to do and not to do. Why? Because he created the world and that's the way that the world works. And so he's sitting there saying, hey, this is how you live a blessed life. This is what it looks like to live with me. This is what it looks like before you're fully with me to be with me. Do people see that in you? People see that when you're you're hit with just some bad news, some horrible thing that's happened, do they they see you breaking up and and saying, oh, no, the Lord is just, he's done with me. How dare you do this? Or do they see people of faith? You know, when you have faith, when you say, you know what? The Lord's going to do something in all of this. And even if he doesn't, like the three in the fiery furnace, even if he does not save us, God is still good. What faith, what reflection of, the, of God is that for us? What a great reflection of the Lord for us to say, you know what, I'm going to have faith because God's good. Versus us sitting there and being like, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's gonna happen. Isn't God good? Isn't God great? Yeah, but I still don't know. Doesn't God promise to take care of you? Doesn't he say don't worry about anything? Even though the lilies of the valley are clothed, how much more will our Father in heaven clothe you? Even though the the birds of the air have their nests, how much more will, will our Father take care of you? Our faith, Lord, is a reflection of him. It's not about fighting for our freedoms and wants. It's about letting God lead even when we don't understand fully. How easy it is for us to fight for a freedom that means nothing in the end. How easy it is for us to get so hooked on these little things that end up hindering us reflecting who God is fully. Letting him lead, even when we don't understand. And so then the question is, well, all right, Pastor Galen, well, what if I'm doing all these things and I'm trusting the Lord and life still isn't going my way? Like, what? what is he actually, like, Like, what if I'm, or or maybe it's even, okay, well, my life doesn't even look like that. And in some ways, I'm not saying every single way, it says the Lord guides us down the right path. It doesn't necessarily mean that we can choose it. We have to take it. We can choose another path if we want to. Israel, throughout all, if you read the entire Old Testament, Israel, throughout the entire Old Testament, chose their own path. And over and over and over again, they discovered it was the wrong one to take. And over and over and over again, the Lord still restored them. God's guidance doesn't have to be taken. He gives good guidance because his name is attached to it. Or sometimes maybe it is that you're following the Lord fully and things still just aren't going your way. First off, it's never supposed to be your way, it's supposed to be His. But secondly, you know, the Lord makes it rain on the just and the unjust. Suffering is a part of humanity. I want to be clear because some of us have been dealt a bad batch of the gospel that says that we don't have to suffer anymore. No. You look throughout church history, you even look at, at the apostles. You know, there's only one apostle that actually died of old age, and that was after he was boiled in oil. All the other apostles killed, murdered, Peter crucified upside down. James thrown from the pinnacle of the temple. Paul beheaded. That sounds like a great thing I want to follow Jesus for. But even though, even though it's bad, God is still good. Suffering is normal, it's human, but Jesus is good. We'll talk about that next week. We actually will, verse four. But Why is he doing all of these things? Why is he caring for us? even though we may not see him caring for us. You know, I I can't imagine what it's going to be like 10 years from now, us looking back at this moment and be like, wow, God, look at you working, even though we may not even have seen him working. If we even make it to 10 years from now. We're all given a choice. Will you follow the guidance of the good shepherd? It's the same thing I asked two weeks ago. Will you let God lead? Same thing I asked last week. Will you let God lead? Will you let him be your shepherd? Will you let him lead you? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. We're going to take communion in a moment, but I really just want to respond to this. I want us to respond simply just to this idea of letting God lead, because I still think after three weeks, we're not there yet. I still think there's some of us in here that we're, we're, we're holding ourselves back. We're refusing, whatever that looks like. We're, we're playing the blame game of, yeah, God is good, but what about this? Again, God always gives us a path, and, and he gives us the free will. We have the free will to choose that path or not. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him, and he makes our path straight. Not in some, not in a little bit in all of the ways. And so will you let him lead? Will you give him the aim of good shepherd? And even though you walk in darkness and hurt, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll still make him the good shepherd through your faith. Even though you're suffering, will you make him the good shepherd? Even though you're struggling right now, would you make him the good shepherd? Will you give him the name of good shepherd? Let's pray.